amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Bobby. Hello, Bobby. 
a remote studio that's set up without uh, background chatter, and I've got dogs that are yapping in the background. Um, that's how it works. But behind all that, there's been a lot of planning, and so I want to share with you the part that does work. We've got a, an amazing show again today. We've got a guest. Uh, Nurse Nikki Lawley is going to be here. I think she's here already in the in the waiting room, and we're going to be talking to her. Um, we're going to be talking more about the Walk for Change. I just had some real big breakthroughs today. Um, a lot of us have been working really hard for a long time on the Walk for Change, and a few of us have been working a little bit for a long time, and some of us are just finding out about it. Well, we're going to take a walk through the Walk for Change and hopefully inspire, encourage, um, manipulate some of you to get more involved. We are less than six months from launch across the great United States of America, and we got a lot to do. So um, I'll be sharing some of the updates with you all. And let's see what's going on today. So I think I have a guest in the waiting room, but it's possible that I don't. Um, well, I think that in spite, or as it seems that I don't, um, let's go ahead and I want to share with you guys the Walk for Change. The first thing I want to do is, of course, share with you the walkforchange.us <coughs> website. And I'm on it right now. I would encourage you to do the same. Come aboard the website and see if it makes sense to you. See if you can understand the scope of what this is. This isn't just a march for a specific little thing. This isn't um, a single issue. This isn't a single group. This isn't a single anything. This is the Walk for Change 2020, which of course we didn't clarify, but we will be. <coughs> And if you look at it, you see on the home page, you see a bunch of people marching. And it's not apparent by looking at it what they're marching for. But if you go down a little bit, we start talking about it. You know, what is it that we're marching for? We're marching to end the abuse and violations of human rights. You know, that's a big, that's a big point of view, the abuse and violations of human rights. But, you know, the truth is, Everywhere in the world, there are human rights that have been and are continuing to be violated. And here in America, where we have such opportunity, you know, and the, it's the truth, compare the United States of America to any other place in the world at any other point in history, and we have more opportunity here today right now than probably any other place at any other time in history. And yet, still in this place of abundance and opportunity, we find that our inalienable rights are challenged, beat up, taken away, stripped, or at least attempted to, and <coughs> we think that that should change. Change, get it? Walk for change. We're here to end cannabis prohibition. That's a simple request, a demand, a challenge. And we're going to lay out a way to make that happen. And that's part of this Walk for Change. 
We want to reform criminal justice system. We have currently people right now that are being locked up every single day. We have an individual today, right now, that's facing 20 years to life in prison for actions that were deemed legal by his state. But the federal government says no. So we need to reform that. That's not okay. Obtain true equality. You know, how many of us believe that uh, in even the United States of America, but any other place in the world especially, where there are laws and there are there's governmental agencies and, and, and people that hold positions of power, that every person in that society is considered to be equal. If you say yes, you're lying. Straight up, there isn't any place like that. And then in the United States, it's not like that. So we need to obtain equality. We need to protect children and families. Think about the attacks that have, have come on children. We've had guests on this show um, that have talked about uh, the health care system, um, child protective services, and uh, even, even, even our mainstream hospitals and the power that they wield when you get into the system and you um, become part of it, meaning you go to the hospital, you go to the emergency room to go help your child because they have a symptom, and then they come and tell you this and that and the other thing, and they say, well, you know, it looks like you've got a serious condition or a serious situation. And you're a parent, right? You would think that you could recommend or, or decide what you're going to do, but once you get into that hospital for some reason or another, um, you, that, that power, that, that authority that you have seems to slip away. And we have situations where people have lost their children somewhat directly or indirectly as a result of getting into our health care system. I don't know, that seems to be an abuse, seems to be a problem. Um, we have families that have been torn apart by Child Protective Services. Uh, at the very same time that Child Protective Services has not moved when they should have, and we have children that have been killed, killed, violently, brutally killed. Um, when CPS has been called on, called and called, and asked to intervene, and they didn't, and yet, we have families that have been broken apart simply because one or more of the parents have decided to medicate themselves with a the plant that has no, not one single case of a death attributed to it. There's no way a child can die from that choice, and yet they take them away. Happens all the time. Take care of our environment. Well. I don't know. Anybody been watching the news lately? Look at, at what's happening to the environment. We've got a giant uh, island or continent of, of broken down plastic floating in the ocean. We've got coral reefs dying. We've got all kinds of problems in the environment. We've got a, a whole uh, uh, Australia. Is that a continent? I don't know. But anyways, the nation of Australia is on fire right now. I don't know. Problems. We've got Volcanoes blowing up. We got all kinds of environmental issues. Some we can do something about, some we can't. But the ones we can, maybe we could and should, and maybe there should be some attention put to that. 
rather than some of the things that there is. Empower economic freedom and ensure liberty and justice for all. Liberty and justice for all. Those words can roll right off of your tongue, right? Liberty and justice for all. But think about what that would mean if we were to bring that about. Liberty and justice for all. Have you ever been in a situation where you were a victim of injustice? And I hate the word victim. I don't like the term because I don't think most of us are victims. I think most of us I think most of us have a lot more choices than we take advantage of. <clears throat> but there are true victims. And if there was justice for all and if there was liberty for all, I don't think that there would be so many victims. I'm coming up on a anniversary. I think it was yesterday. I lost entire track of it, which is great. But um, about... I guess it would have been 2012, yeah. So I think it was yesterday in 2012 I went to be sentenced. I was convicted by a jury of my peers of the crime of selling a controlled substance, which was cannabis, and the state presented a case backed up by a kangaroo judge who limited my ability to testify and my ability to call witnesses and it's a whole story but at the end of the day I got convicted fortunately and I don't know fortunately if that's the word in, in a because of the hard work that so many people did we had support in that courtroom for the whole entirety of the time I think I went to court over a hundred times um, but the trial itself was 18 days in the courtroom, which spread out across about a month of time. And every day that I was there, that defendant seat, there were people there in the courtroom watching, and sometimes many of them, sometimes there's so many people that there wasn't room in the courtroom for all of us. And that ultimately worked in my advantage, but not at that moment. At that moment, I was being sentenced. And I went into the went into court and I ate some edibles. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm very sensitive to edibles, so I figured, well, I'm gonna get good and lit so when they take me to prison, the intake, at least the first several hours of it'll be less painful. And so, uh and I don't remember what it was from brownies or cookies or both ate some stuff, and uh, went on into court. Now, I was hoping to be able to give a statement, which I didn't know if I was going to be able to or not. I was hoping to be able to bring up a number of people to make impact statements, which would have been helpful in my opinion. But we had already submitted over 200 letters to the judge, along with uh, uh, declarations about injustices that had happened in the courtroom, along with all of the uh, comments on the record that would have supported my appeal. And we walked in there with the prosecutor's recommendation of the high sentence, which would have been 12 years. And we didn't know what the probation department's recommendation was going to be because they don't tell you what's going to happen until it does. And I, of course, we knew what the judge thought already. But he got his conviction, so I knew he was kind of happy. And he didn't remand me at the time, so I figured, well, he wasn't 
so far against us. Um, but I'll continue this story as soon as um, we're finished with Craig. Craig Cecil is calling from Federal Prison, where he's currently serving a life sentence right now. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call or to Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Well, life is right now it's dark and uh somewhere in the in the thirties outside in Terre Haute, Indiana. I'm looking out the window at it. Yeah. I can see the guard towers, the fence and a road. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, it's, uh, I don't know, probably somewhere in the 50s over here right now, and it's uh, getting dark, too, but um, definitely uh, no guard towers where I'm living right now, so that's a good thing. So what's going yeah, on? That is a, a definite improvement over my fancy dwelling here. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We, we, we live in a world where people love to complain and bitch and whine and moan about everything, and uh, you know, still today, I was just I was just talking, doing a little bit of a monologue about you know today about eight years ago, or yesterday I think it was yesterday um, I was sentenced um, in my case, and I was telling the story about what happened at my sentencing, and when people ask me, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? And whatnot? Generally. My response is, um, I'm above ground, breathing, and currently out of custody, and happy about it. You know, there's a, there's no, no better way to be. Well, I can, I can certainly say that I'm sure being out of custody is, is a drastic improvement over being in custody. Indeed, indeed. So, any updates going on? Being in custody. Pardon? Go ahead. No, I was asking if there's been any changes of anything in, in your situation right now. No, um, they seem to be becoming more entrenched here uh, in blocking me from my legal papers and even from the mail. The good news is, is I'm starting to get some of my Christmas cards that were sent the beginning of December. They have uh, my this card from a federal prison. My mail is getting extra scrutiny to make sure that I'm not able to really send out complaints about it, especially about the officer who beat on me. So that they're being, you know, uh, really watching me pretty carefully. And as you know, they're still holding all my legal papers, and I'm trying to make arrangements with the courts to see what we can do to get around that. But right now, they're still entrenched. They're still standing on it. And uh, a lot of that is is that the Bureau of Prisons is accountable to nobody. Nobody comes in and inspects them and regulates them or anything of the sort. They... They just spend federal money and keep everybody outside the razor wire. So, how is your elbow doing? It's, the swelling went down some, but now it hurts more, which I'm not sure what that means. But they they keep telling me, they've been telling me since September, actually, that I'm waiting to be looked at by a doctor, a doctor outside the prison. So, I just got... I just checked with them today again, and then I got the same answer. So I hope that means that they're going to do something with it. I, I was actually there to ask them what they were going to do about my broken tooth that I broke well before Christmas, and it's kind of all swollen up around it, and they, they gave me basically the same answer. You're on the list. Wow. You know, it's, 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 it's wild. We have so 
many things that are happening in the world right now, you know, and it, it seems like everything's gotten crazy. But, you know, I find that a lot of times it seems that, especially the government, when things are really getting pointed and there's some real serious things happening in their way, they, they deflect and they throw off all these, you know, little little flare bombs and and you know, I don't I don't know, I'm thinking about what we can do to to sharpen the point, you know. I mean, we talk about your you and your case and, and, and you know, I, I began the show talking about why we're walking for change and what that's all about and the criminal justice reform. And I, I I talk to people every single day about this. In fact, um, you know, I've gotten some attention from some pretty influential people that's coming together that, that hopefully will make a difference. But, I mean, you know, you look at the news or you listen or you look at the Internet, you look and see what's going on. And, you know, aside from just a handful of, of people, uh, you know, shaking their fists up in the air, it's like, you almost wouldn't know that there's a problem. And, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that our Walk for Change really brings attention to this. And I'm looking for ways to to sharpen that point, you know. Uh, we have a number of people that really care a lot, that are, that are uh, putting their heart and soul into this, and that are really working, you know, night and day, to be honest. And, and you know, we're not going to stop until we're, Till we're there, but the key to this, the key to the success of this is getting attention to the people that don't know, and they don't care because they don't know, and I think they would care if they did know, and I know, you know, we're reaching out to, to elected officials, we're talking to Congress people, and in fact, uh, we're actually going to be uh, bringing this show to a new, another market here that's going to be reaching even more people. And uh, potentially, hopefully, um, we're going to have access to some elected officials through these channels. And I'm hoping to be able to get interviews with some of these elected officials. We just had a, a meeting today about it, and it looks like if it works the way they claim, um, that I might, I might be able to interview some folks that have some influence. And that's certainly going to be some of the interview questions I have. You know, what are we going to do about this? criminal justice problem we have. Well, you know my complaints about uh, how our sentencing structure is completely upside down, that on a marijuana conviction I get a life sentence, but had I raped somebody, my sentencing guideline would be 33 months. I mean, that there's obviously something wrong with the laws behind that. And as you know, I'm an avid writer, and I'm finishing up an article right now I'm hoping to publish that kind of goes against the, the, there's a lot of talk on the news and all that nowadays, that the president should get the same due process as criminal defendants get in the United States. <laughs> the, the, the thrust of my argument is, is if people actually knew what due process for federal prosecutions actually is, I think they would, they would be up in arms if they did that to the president. The most common evidence in a federal trial, uh, a federal criminal trial, is a witness that is actually paid by the federal government to testify. He's either paid, he or she, is either paid with, uh, in my case, one per 
person, they significantly reduced his sentence. The other one, they dropped all the charges against him altogether, and he was supposedly the leader of the whole thing. But yeah. in exchange for them giving statements. Now, if they did that to the president, somebody out of prison and said that if you testify against the prison, we'll let, or against the president, we'll let you out of prison, I think the American public would be up in arms. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's a funny thing. Most people don't realize how it works, you know, in courts, and they don't realize how the government builds their case. And you're right. In in a in a in a case, both state or federal, most of the time, the prime witnesses that are up against the defendant are brought as state's evidence. And generally, they have a carrot and a stick. And if they don't participate by testifying against the defendant, they generally face a, a, a serious punishment, sometimes even worse than the, than the defendant that they're testifying against. And if they do testify favorably for the prosecution, they have much to gain by not being punished uh, for this. And what do you think happens? You know, what do you think happens in this situation? If you were, if I was to tell you a story and say, hey, this is how it's going to work, would you say, oh, well, that seems fair? Or would you say, what the hell? That doesn't make any sense at all. That's entirely wrong. And that's what happens in every single courtroom, a criminal courtroom anyways, across the country, where generally uh, they get one person, you know, they generally – these crimes, these drug crimes especially, are, are you know, they're going after the, the conspiracies. They're going after <coughs> the, the, the criminal enterprise. So anytime you have two or more people involved in, in whatever it is they're going after you, they always take one and pit them against the other. And, and they press the whole family. You know, they'll threaten a family. They'll threaten, you know, children. They'll threaten, you know, parents and aunts and uncles. And, and anything they can do. And what do you think that people will do? They're going to do whatever it takes to protect themselves, um, including lying, including, you know, including making stuff up, including uh, painting a picture that's maybe a little different than actually happened. Ah, people will do any and all of it. I've seen it all happen. It's ridiculous. Now, if the president were to be prosecuted in federal court rather than in front of the Senate, most likely he'd be charged with not the underlying crimes of obstruction or whatever the other one would be considered as a crime. Um, he would instead most likely be charged with conspiracy. Right. Because conspiracy, you don't have to prove that he actually committed the crime. All you have to do is basically put somebody on the stand that says that, oh, yeah, I know this person agreed that that crime should be committed. In a conspiracy charge, such as me, they, they admit that I never bought, sold, or possessed marijuana. They admit I never received any proceeds from marijuana. Um, but my charge is conspiring to uh, distribute marijuana because I provided truck repair services to a trucking company who used their trucks to haul marijuana. But uh, And that's all you need for a conspiracy conviction. You know, you don't need to commit the underlying crime. It's basically a, like a cooties offense. Just because I was near people that were committing crimes by servicing their drugs, that that made me guilty of conspiracy. 
Now imagine if the president was, you know, <laughs> you call the a foreign president like Putin on the phone who does terrible criminal things, they would convict him of conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, you know, you, you, you use that as an example. I hear, uh, I hear the whole Russian government's quitting so Putin can maintain power a little longer. You know, it's 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 crazy some of the stuff that happens, and and it it is happening. Of course, it's happening, and it's been happening in every presidential uh, uh, regime all the way back to the beginning. You know, there's been all kind of all these abuses of power. But the point is, when we are punishing people for nonviolent offenses without victims, in a way that's worse than heinous crimes that are happening all over the place, there's something horribly wrong. And at the same time, when you have people that are doing things that uh, are affecting a lot of people in a, in a potentially negative way, and they're just skating on by, again, it doesn't make any sense. You know, there's these two or three or four different sets of rules that seem to go uh, in our criminal justice system. You know, every time I hear about a sentencing of somebody who has committed a, a particularly violent or heinous crime, um, and you listen to the sentencing, most of the time, the sentence is less than 20 years. And these are, these are horrible murders. These are, these are, you know, every once in a while they hit them with a, with a, you know, what would seem to be a reasonable sentence for multiple murders and horrible things. But even, you know, a lesser violent crime, any violent crime at all is a horrible situation. Anytime a child's involved or, or, or somebody who is powerless to do something about something, um, and you watch these people, rapists especially, for some reason or another, I never heard of a rapist getting a life sentence. You know, I've heard, I've heard all the time rapists getting five-year, 10-year, you know, 15-year that they're never going to serve. And you think about that. You know, the crime is the most heinous, horrible thing that you could possibly have happened to you, and yet we let these people go. And meanwhile, in, in your situation and so many others like you, there's no way out unless we do something to fix it. And I, I bring attention to it every chance I get, Craig, every time we have a, a, another you know, high-profile case where, where the sentence is rendered less than what would be reasonable. Um, we keep pointing it out, but we keep going. Well, Craig, your first beep's already gone off. I feel like we gobble up this time so fast sometimes. I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Well, just to point out that, on your argument, the average time, according to the U.S. Department of Justice, the average time actually served in prison for murder in the United States is 12.3 years. I'm about to finish up my 18th year in prison on a marijuana conviction where nobody was hurt, nobody was threatened, nobody was robbed. And, uh, and really, in Illinois, where I was, recreational marijuana is now legal. So it really probably wasn't all that. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because Craig brings up this point. You know, almost every time we talk, he brings up this point. And it's couldn't imagine what it would be like. I mean, imagine 18 years of your life behind bars. Can you even think what it would be like? I don't think you can. I know a couple people who could. George Martorano, who 
comes on the show regularly. He's spent 32 years in prison, so he knows what 18 years is like. And we've had a number of other people, um, you know, that have served long sentences. They know what it's like. But the rest of us, you know, a month, a two months, it seemed like an eternity to me when I was locked up. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be locked up for 10 10 years, 20 years, I mean, it just, it doesn't even make sense. And so when Craig brings this point up, we got the ghost in the machine again, folks. Please mute your phone. Thank you. Um, he brings this up on a regular basis, and I think to myself, it's probably worth listening to. It's probably really important that we think about what's actually happening you know, like I say, there's a handful of people that I know of, a handful of people, really, honestly. I know a lot of people. I work with a lot of people. I have people involved in every aspect of business and 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 in the nonprofits and, and all kinds of different projects that we're doing. And the people that are actually participating and helping out and really putting an effort in, like heart and soul effort, just a handful, just a handful. Please. Hey, Joe, um, oh, you got Nikki Lolly uh, in your waiting room <laughs> Okay. Uh, waiting to join you. I just wanted to give you a little reminder from somehow, behind the curtain. Somehow I'm not getting the, the 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 normal thing that I have. There it is. It's there now. Awesome. All right. Well, I was kind of just talking away because I didn't know that I had my guest on. So uh, let's go ahead and bring up Nikki, and uh, we can begin this interview. All right, folks. So we have... Nikki Lolly, and she is somebody I haven't I haven't spoken with before yet. But hello, Nikki, how you doing today? Fine, thanks. How are you, Joe? Well, I'm doing very well. And so I'm just looking at your profile here, and it sounds like you have uh, quite a story. And you know, why don't you tell why don't you tell us your story? Because you know, so many times when uh, I'm going to do an interview, and I'll kind of read the backstory. And I think to myself, when I'm telling a story, generally I do it better of that's about me than the person that I'm trying to tell a story about. And you know, now that we can see each other, it's great. I can I can get the whole picture. So I'm just going to jump it right on into you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you come from? Sure. Um, I live in Buffalo, New York. Um, I have grown up in Florida, but I ended up back in Buffalo. <laughs> I suffered a traumatic brain injury about three years ago. I never dreamed I would ever not be working, and life has just become completely different than what I used to know. Um, my career included uh, working as a pediatric nurse as well as a dealer, well, a business owner. Now, dealer, uh, you're talking about car dealer, not a drug dealer, right? Correct. Okay, correct. just want to clarify. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and uh, what I found was I tried to use the good old medical system, and what has happened is uh, cannabis became a last resort, um, sort of an end of the rope uh, decision to go towards cannabis rather than traditional medicine. So, um, so let me let me just get into that because this is something that happens to a lot of people, and I, I it's 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 in some ways frustrating for me because. I went the other direction. I came to cannabis because I liked it, and then I stumbled into the fact of that it's 
does so much good for so many people, and I was able to, you know, divert some of my attention into into making things that help people. But uh, I was already connected to the plant. But so many people that I that I meet and talk to um, came from the other point of view, where cannabis was not considered anything other than a bad drug, you know, white paper, reefer madness stuff, especially, you know, professionals, healthcare professionals. Um, um, education professionals and, 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 and people that you would respect their opinion. And then it comes to this place where the, 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 the norm isn't working or isn't working the way that, that they would want, and they come to a place where they're like, well, you know what, let's give it a try. i got nothing to lose, you know, and it, it's, it's almost, well, it's not almost. It's very frustrating for me because I, I, I think to myself, what can we do? to make it not the very last thing somebody would want to try. So you've got that point of view right now. It's, 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 uh, why don't you share what it was like to be in a spot where the, the, the Western medicine, and I'll put quotes around that because it's modern medicine, whatever you want to call it, just wasn't working. Um, I literally saw 55 different providers. Uh, I was on 40 different medications. Um, I became truly suicidal. Uh, someone that's always had a very positive outlook on life and someone that just worked all their life for me to suddenly lose everything, including basic counting skills, okay? I was a dealer, and then one day, oh, you can't even count to five. Wow. Uh, it was shocking, and naturally you get depressed, but this was a different level of depression. This wasn't just, you know, I got the sad today. This was coming to realize, like, it's what turned into days, turned into weeks, turned into months, and then it became years. Luckily, I discovered cannabis before it became years because, Joe, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't discovered cannabis. I believe I you. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's the funniest thing is, you know, from where I'm standing, 30 years ago, I made my first uh, cannabis extraction, and I gave some of that that I made to somebody who was uh, going through chemo a little bit, I don't know, 28 years ago maybe, and I, I had my first, you know, light bulb moment. And, and so my life has been a series of these experiences, you know, through people that I've been working with or, or people that just come and tell, tell me their story. And it's, it's so amazing to think on one side of it, you've got this life-changing experience. A couple of months ago, we had a, a woman who had a somewhat similar. She had an accident and surgeries, and was on every you know horrible pain and everything. You know, again, the the forty prescriptions that weren't working discovers cannabis, and now she doesn't take any of the forty prescriptions. And and you think to yourself, on one level, you see these things that would seem to be miraculous. They would seem to be. They would seem to be just completely unbelievable, and yet our government tells us today that cannabis has no known medical use. It's classified as a, as a Schedule One substance with no known medical use. How can that be? I have to tell you, Joe, prior to my brain injury, I uh, definitely partook in the plant, but not like I partake in the plant now. Sure. Today, it's a matter of 
quality of life. It's a matter of functioning versus being miserable. Right. It's pain that is what the average human would consider unbearable to making that tolerable and no longer the total focus of my day and my life. Cannabis has saved me from, I still do take pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Um, in defense of that, I mean, I still take an antidepressant. I've tried to go off the antidepressant, but I just find that my chemicals in my brain from my injury just, it's not working. You so. know what? And, and, and I want people to understand, you know, a lot of times we have cannabis people who are like, cannabis is the only way. But the truth is, we're all different, and everybody needs to find that thing that works for them. You know, it's about quality of life. It's about health. It's about functionality. All of these things are important, and some people can't eat meat, and some people have to eat meat, and some people can't get out and exercise, and some people have to get out and exercise. We're all so very different, and I think that for people to, to realize that there's nothing wrong with modern medicine. The thing that's wrong with modern medicine is it doesn't allow cannabis to be part of it, you know? And I think it's overused and overprescribed, and I think that it's influenced by companies that are trying to sell it. But 100%. in and of itself, I don't think that modern medicine is evil. I think it's just misused. I think it's um, taught via the textbook and by history instead of being open to the possibility that, hmm, maybe there is something to this plant. Maybe there is something to psychedelics. Maybe there is something, you know, opening your mind instead of just being totally anti. I'm on numerous social media groups and constantly people um, from the TVI world, um, from football, all kinds of various amazing humans have really come into my journey. And I got to tell you, I would have not met a single one of them if it wasn't for this plant. Right. I am so fortunate to have been one of the ones that found hope in the plant when, you know, there's so many others that are literally dying because of depression, because of, you know, anxiety, things that, you know, are beyond their control to a point, and they haven't found the beauty of the plant. And I'm passionate about it. I try and go to lobby days in New York State. New York State really um, has a shit medical program, excuse that term. There's a much more appropriate one, but I'm being very polite. Um, our medical program is an absolute flippin' joke. Um, we only we don't have access to flour. I still must become a criminal to acquire out of New York State whether that's because I go to Boston and acquire it and then I become, you know, a fugitive crossing state lines. Um, it's that's really interesting. Women are very good in New York State. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. New York State is great. But we don't have full flour. We have only oil. It's totally BS. Um, I have a fat solubility issue, so I don't absorb anything that's fat soluble. So basically edibles, oils, tinctures, anything that has to go through my first pass of digestion has no effect. So knowing that only I can smoke flour, um, it kind of sucks in a lot of ways, besides our products just being a joke. I mean, there's 10 licensed producers in the entire state of New York. 
Okay, we have twenty some odd million people. Like <laughs> literally, it's just a joke. Somebody's um, great idea. Oklahoma, I mean, like look at Oklahoma for Christ's sake. They got like how many dispensaries? Um, and we have, you know, ten producers. That's it. Uh, tell me that's not a little bit bought and paid for. <laughs> yeah, you um, might think. Yeah, it's it's you know. In California, we're dealing with the same thing too. You know, we've we've had we're the first ones to pass a medical law 20 some years ago, and yet our recreational law just wrecked everything for everybody. And there's you know a handful of companies that are well equipped enough to make it through the the state's licensure, and it's a disaster. And you know the black market is three to five or ten times what the legal market is, and 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 you look at the news, and every day, every single day in California, there's another article about the illegal grows being assaulted with our tax dollars, the, the illegal dispensaries being shut down using our tax Those dollars. Those are my lifeline. Illegal has been my lifeline. Yep. If it was not for the illicit market, I would not have known the plant. I actually was exposed to the plant in Nevada. Um, and I was contemplating death. How am I going to do this? And, um, literally one of those things that normally has the topless chicks on it on the strip that, you know, drives by the little billboard. I happened to be on the Cosmopolitan Hotel figuring out, you know, how am I going to do this? And, uh, figured with my luck, it's just going to screw me up worse. So bad plant business. Get your free weed card for Nevada goes driving by, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> and so then it drives by again, and I'm like, is this a sign? And so, uh, my husband came back from the walk because I was just destroying our vacation, literally. And uh, he said, well, do you want to go try it? And I'm like, all right. And he's like, okay, let's go. Let's jump in the car. Let's, let's zip. So I had my first experience with a dispensary and the um, interesting way of getting a California medical card, insanely easy. <laughs> yep. And I am grateful for that insanely easy. I am not a resident of Nevada. I am not a resident of California. But without that reciprocity, I would not have discovered this plant. Right. I would have tried and tried and tried and gotten nothing. Right. So having certain terpenes, having certain, you know, strains that are effective. I get we're not supposed to call it indica and sativa, but damn it, there is a difference. And I have tried, you know, to educate myself and understand why do certain products work so much better for me than others. Um, the Nevada dispensary uh, got me off the ledge, but then I came home and then I was just as bad. And then I became <laughs> to Canada, and I needed to, be, you know, obtain a safe house, basically, in Canada, wow. where I could medicate freely from the illicit market in Canada. I obviously um, am not into importing from Canada, because that is just shit stupid. Um, and I've actually been pinched going in and out of Canada. So, we won't, you know... <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. Uh, yeah, e exactly. And... and and whatever you know, at the end of the day, it, this is this conversation on on so many levels is so ridiculous. 
that in 2020, you know, I mean, 2020, right. we're having a conversation about a plant that never once in its entire history of 150,000 years on this planet killing anybody ever, we ever. can't, we ever, it can't, it doesn't know how to kill. <laughs> and, and unless wow. a bale of it drops out of a ship and lands you on, on your head and, and, and offs you that way, or a rope made out of it chokes you, there's there's really no way to die from it. And yet it's deemed to be amongst the most dangerous substances on the planet, so much so that, you know, if you listened, um, I, and I, I apologize, I didn't realize you were in the waiting room. Normally I have a, a little indicator that tells me who's who's in there, and for whatever reason I, I wasn't seeing it. But you heard Craig Cecil. He's served 18 years in prison for pot. And he's got a life sentence. He has no way out unless we do something to change it. And that's where my question to you comes in. Now, what if a number of people were getting together and said, you know what, I've had it. I've had it with this. I've had it with that. I've had it with criminal justice problems. I've had it with cannabis prohibition. I've had it with our medical system. I've had it with injustices all over the place. I've had it with the uh, abuse of power, tyrannical political regimes on all sides of the equation. I've had it with all this stuff, and I'm willing to do something about it. What would you say if we had a group of people that was getting ready to walk across this country to make the, these types of changes? What would you think about that? I fully support legalization and, you know, descheduling or rescheduling, or however you want to say that. I mean, I am 400% on board with that because – I, from the other side of it, the research of the plant is completely hindered by this bullshit scheduling. And I want to know what I'm smoking. I want tested cannabis. I want to know what the terps are, what the percentage of the various cannabinoids are, because that's how I learn what works for me. Because just saying it's sour diesel, great. <laughs> sour diesel from A to B to C. By the time it gets to me in Buffalo, it's uh, sour shit in a lot of ways, (laughs) Um, but really, there's so much to it, and without having tests to verify what you're smoking, how do you know what's working? Imagine um, this. Imagine a world, and and this is just what I like to do, is look at a possible solution. Imagine a world where just like we can get chamomile and make a tea out of it or buy, buy lettuce or greens or whatever, and we can also go to the Fufu organic market and, and get, you know, fancy grown stuff that is for sure tested and, and super certified and better. Or we can go to the roadside stand and get who knows what, but we can get all those things at a pretty reasonable price because it's fair market, right? There's no crazy restrictions on it. There's no crazy taxes on it. And if you want the fancy tested, organic, you know, certified farm-to-table thing, you can get that. If you don't have any money and you're willing to get what you can, you'll take the the, the, the farmer's side of the market uh, scraps and you want to take that, you can get that. Neither one of them is going to hurt you, and, and they'll probably all help you. And they're all in some sort of a normal, reasonable place. Why? Because they're not a criminal act. Imagine if we lived in a world like that where, you know, you could go to a store and you could buy cannabis in, in a 
not great, but you could make something out of them, or you could, if you were broke, you could have enough to last you a long time. Or if you were somebody who had enough means, you could go to a boutique place and you could get exactly, find out, seed to sale, where it was grown, how it was grown. They could tell you the nutrients that were used. They could tell you the the, 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 the lifespan of it all the way. The guy that grew it could tell you a story all about that one plant because that's what you wanted. Imagine a world like that. Paradise. <laughs> well, you know, I think all it would take is us to decriminalize the plant. I think that would happen all on its own. I think if we were to, to deschedule it or decriminalize it, um, you know, however it was to play out, as long as it didn't get taxed to the point of ridiculousness, which is unfortunately what happens in the legalized market. And that's when people say I support legalization, I always say, well, what do you mean by that? Because in my experience with cannabis, every time we get legalization, what we get is this ridiculous taxation, which if it doesn't eliminate the black market because it's taxed too high, then you still kind of have that same problem, even though it's not as bad maybe as it was, but you still, you know, it's not equal because the guy who doesn't have the money to go and spend, you know, God, if you could see the prices in California uh, in the legal market, it's like I just sit there and scratch my head, you know. There's more pot in the world today than there's ever been at any time. And there's there's farms that are losing their whole crop because they couldn't sell it because there's too much supply and not enough demand. And yet, <laughs> it's... Farms to Buffalo. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that would make perfect sense, except for, oh, yeah, the commerce law, interstate right. transport. Oh, no, we can't do that because that would just... Oh. Make too much so let's just burn it instead. Exactly. That makes much more sense. That's what they. That's that's the way it tends to go, and and so you know that's what I'm saying is um, you know we've got a group of people that have gotten together and said you know it's time to to get an old-fashioned march to 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 take a stand to stand together and and you know combine a bunch of causes together because it's about empowering each other you know. I had a traumatic brain injury when I was 18 years old, and I was in a coma for three days. And when I came out of the coma, um, sometime later I realized I, I had lost my sense of taste and smell. And, you know, when you smash your brain, you don't realize sometimes what's wrong, you know. And uh, fortunately for me, 10 years later, I got really sick and had a fever, and somehow it reconnected the neural pathways, and I got it back. But I experienced, yeah, the brain's an amazing, amazing thing, and anything's possible, you know, and that's that's where I say, you know, what if we were just to open up medical research and, 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 and explore what some of these plants can do? Who knows if pot had anything to do with it? I was smoking pot at the time. Maybe it did. Maybe it did help, you know? I, I don't know. Well, I've had subsequent uh, traumatic brain injuries since my significant one at work, and the last have been dramatically, you know, more severe on the outside. But when being having cannabis on board, the effects of them have been so much less than that life-changing moment. I mean, I can truly attest to that. Well, and I am so fortunate. They're showing studies, and, and again, the studies are all limited in scope because we can't really do research yet because it's still Schedule 1. But, of course, we are, and there's still – I work with a ton, a 
tons of doctors and medical professionals that are doing, even we're getting some IRB studies getting, being done right now, and we're getting some real data that's happening. We're actually working on a, on a, um, a project right now that, that is each of us putting a video out that says, I'm the evidence. And so, you know, I don't know if you've talked to Bobby yet about doing that, but, I mean, obviously you would have a great 30-second video. You could talk about the evidence to bring to bear. And, and in a lot of studies, uh, really all it's doing is collecting a bunch of evidence and looking at it both in a narrow scope or a broad scope, and if you can get enough of it together, at one point it gets accepted. And that's what we're doing is we're collecting 30-second videos of people's personal experience of the medicinal value of cannabis. And, you know, it's, it's what we can do right now, you know. I'm happy to share with anyone my story. Um, I feel like everything happens for a reason. I feel like I'm a better human because of my brain injury. And cannabis has helped tremendously to do so. Um, I talk to people about cannabis in my story all the time. I share it on social media. And it's amazing the response that is received. Um, I'm so grateful I found you and you're willing to share my story. I've never, ever done this, ever. So I had no idea what to expect. Oh, well, you uh, sound like you're an old veteran. You're, you're, you're an easy interview. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to share this with us. And, you know, I'm hoping, um, I, I've been trying to sort of throw this idea on you, but we're doing this Walk for Change, and I'd love to um, get your support, you know, in the sense of we've got, we got New Yorkers going to be walking, and, and it doesn't mean you've got to walk across America or anything, but, but to to connect yourself to this event, you know, we're, we're trying to show that everybody, and I, I was hoping to be able to, to read a, a, a letter that one of our people had sent in about not understanding the Walk for Change and not getting that it's not about that every single person I've talked to I'm asking to walk across America. I'm asking everybody that's involved or that, that, that I want to get involved to, to care about this, to to. Uh, become part of this movement that is the Walk for Change. And, and that has to do with just raising each other up, saying, you know what, if we speak together, if we share our, 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 common, um, our common thoughts and ideas, uh, that we raise up that voice, and all of a sudden we can get things to happen, you know, and it, it, it becomes more important. Like, you know, the fact that your story was important enough for me to share with the listeners of this show was, empowering and it gave you a little bit of, of 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 power to say look everybody now this problem that i have that probably thousands or maybe millions of people have maybe you're reaching some people that say wow you know what if she did it maybe i could do it too and that's kind of what this is all about raising each other up creating this community that says you know what we're all people and we all have common issues and, and a common issue that, that we have right now is our medical system, you know, and, and injuries are common. I don't know anybody who's over 60, over 50 years old that hasn't had an injury. You know, I've had dozens of them, and if it wasn't for cannabis, anybody who knows me knows that my most recent injury was pretty serious, and I probably might not be walking today, but it was cannabis and cannabis alone was the, the way that I, you know, I took it in a number of different ways, but I have no pain in my knee today. And it's just over, just under two years since the injury, 
And today I walk, and I can walk up and down a hill, and I can push a wheelbarrow around, and I have no pain in my knee. And it's cannabis. So, well, I very much appreciate you coming aboard, and I would certainly love to uh, talk to you again in the future and uh, love to get you involved with the human solution and, and the work we're doing to end prohibition. You know, that's what this is all about. Sounds great, Joe. Anything awesome. I can do to help, let me know. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Hopefully, Bobby... If you can stay on the line with Bobby and, and he can get your contact information, um, sure. I'd love to reach out to you. Okay. Excellent. Well, here. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here behind the curtain as always. Hi, um, Nikki. Hi, Bobby. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Let me have your email address. Huh? It's uh, Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, Lolly, L-A-W-L-E-Y, the number one. At gmail.com. Got it. Beautiful. Marvelous. Hey, is there a link to this or anything that I can? Um... Oh, it's only on about 145, 150 pages right now. I think <laughs> you can find it fairly easy. Really? <laughs> yeah. I have... um, we'll make we sure have a little it. bit of reach from behind the curtain. Okay. Well, if you guys. So I'll, I'll be happy to send it to you. That'd be awesome. If you can send me, like, anything. I have friend me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Insta, whatever. That'd be awesome. We'll, Absolutely. We'll, we'll connect you to the whole program here. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Nikki. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right. Nikki Lolly, folks. All right. So we're going to actually make this a one-hour, one-hour show today, or probably one-hour, ten minutes, one-hour show today. But I want to share something with you guys. We got our first T-shirts in. The Walk for Change, and it shows our fancy logo here. Notice uh, the logo on the screen, and we got this here. And then on the back, we have our sponsors. And uh, I would certainly like to invite you to become a sponsor for the Walk for Change. There's a lot of big announcements about to happen. Um, I was starting to walk you through the site, thinking I did not have a guest, but since I did have a guest, we didn't get too far into it, but I welcome you and I encourage you to get to walk number four change, W-A-L-K number four, C-H-A-N-G-E dot U-S, and take a look around. I am currently um, fielding volunteer requests, sponsor requests, and uh, there's so much that you can do to be part of the walk for change. I need help, folks. I need lots of help, and we're organizing, we're strengthening our leadership team, and um, a lot of good things happening, but we're running out of time. We've got less than six months before we launch, and we got about a year's worth of work to do, which is no big deal to people like us. So we're going to make it happen, and I'd really like you to be part of it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. All right, well, I had so much to talk about, but prior proper planning prevents piss-poor performance. I will prepare more properly next time, I promise you. Um, we're going to bring up Tom Corby to close the show down today and see what old Mr. Tom Corby has to say, and we're going to move along. Whoa, where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Joe. Uh, Becca, good screening job. 
the Coffee Party Radio Show, another historical show. Uh, I'm here down in the man cave, which Joe knows well, when they busted me and drug me through here. And on their police report, they call this the man cave down here. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'd rather be a caveman than a little policeman. <laughs> Just, uh, so, uh, Frank and Daria, uh, they're not here today, but they're here. <laughs> and they're helping us so much. Uh, when I talk about B.E. Smith, the icon he is, uh, I think I mentioned that he did win that case after four years. Uh, and it was federal. It was big time. And, of course, back then he got, like we always share, so important for defendants to get all your discovery. Go over that discovery. And uh, so important. How, how can you work your case if you don't know what's, what's actually against you? Be careful with people telling you what, what you think against you until you actually see those charges and then you go from there your police report again is your first uh, discovery and when you start going over that discovery you want to give copies to a lot of other people like Joe and Sue a lot of people that can work it with you and you're going to find that most of it's BS and that's going to be the, your, your first strategy in working your case. I know we always we always take them to trial. They know that right away. There, there's no dealing. Now, when they hear that, even that judge, they don't want you to take them to trial. Uh, because when they take you to trial, we're talking about we the people out the courtrooms. And they all work together in there somewhat. And those dog and pony shows in those courtrooms. So, yeah, shout out to B.E. Smith, and may he rest. We'll never forget him, and never a forgotten warrior. Uh, I got word, uh, Jackie Cordova here. And I said, how, how goes it? He, she said, here again, when you throw it at them, let them know you're coming. There's no BS. Uh, she wishes us a happy new year. And thanks for your prayers behalf. And being, being, being my PD. I showed up for court date. Guess what? The OCDA never filed my case. FTP forever, I will say, talk to police. So uh, then she told me, well, that they have uh, a year to decide whether they're either going to charge her or not. That's how weak this case is. One of the points being here is that when we fought cases back then, they were big like Joe's, James Benno. Uh, uh, all all these these bigger uh, 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 growth with uh, more than ninety nine plants with uh, with oils and uh, and uh, 
so I, I've seen through the years that even here in Butte County, I, Joe knows, and he's been there with me in courtrooms before. I used to spend half my time inside those courtrooms. Now, uh, <laughs> I'm not going at all. It doesn't mean I won't go, but, and then we backed him down, I think, out out here too with, with uh, this season. Uh, when they, the governor threw the National Guard to come for us up here in Northern California, destroy all our gardens. Well, they did some of that, and then we we figured even our local police and our sheriff that we're going to come pretty hard against a lot of people, and we were all prepared. Well, it actually didn't happen, and one of the reasons is. Uh, they have bigger fish to fry. And a lot of these people, they are growing two, three, four hundred thousand plants. So they, they, we actually, if we keep it down, and, and I, I don't care about AUMA, that and you get your, your recommendation and doctor's recommendation, and you keep it within the six plant rule, and uh, we can still use that no matter what in those courtrooms because when the jury hears it, and it was just brought out here earlier in the show, 70% of people at least, uh, even if they haven't used it, and most of them have, they're okay with it. So uh, you can see how a lot of these cases, again, uh, the longer you keep these going on, uh, they finally melt away. Furthermore, every time you go in these courtrooms, you're making a point. You're wasting time and taxpayers' dollars. And we must stop uh, the dog and pony shows in here. So we're doing okay here. Uh, <laughs> getting through day, day by day. And, uh, I always want to thank uh, all, all the talkers today and uh, all those on the front line coming for together to find a end prohibition. That is our goal and vision. When we talk about legalization, there are just more laws and regulations. The school is mom and pop growers. That's why a lot of us have been I've gone back underground. Well, again, I want to thank you all today, and as always, Donna said, don't forget to breathe. All right, Tom. Well, always a pleasure, and uh, always appreciate you coming aboard to share your stories from NorCal. And uh, I want to thank everybody who came on today. I want to thank. Uh, Becca for screening and Bobby for setting up the Zoom and for Nikki Lolly for coming in and being a great guest and uh, for Craig for standing tall. And, you know, we've got to make a change. We've got to get together. And I encourage you to participate. Join the Human Solution. Be a part of a group of people that care enough to make a difference. Get involved with the Walk for Change if you're not into one group or another, be part of a community. Um, that's it for this week. Let's see what old Willie Nelson has to say about it all. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. 
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.